We have a crisis and it's been building, but we have to do something about it. But we have to be part of raising up a standard and saying, this is the line. God said so, this is the truth and we have to stand by it. We are never gonna be tested like we are gonna be right now. I think the battle has just begun and we have to be ready. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. I don't know how your week was, but mine was interesting, to say the least. Some of you will know there was a bit of controversy surrounding myself. Some of you will know, not know what's going on when I say that. Um, this week, I, I just wanted to see what happens when we just raise up a standard. And it was very interesting to see where we are at as a community in the Helderberg. There were certain posters of a certain event that went up this week in our streets that I and many others believe were inappropriate and unnecessary to have in a family-based environment open for everyone to see. And I said as much on Somerset Community Facebook group, just one sentence, this is unacceptable, this is inappropriate, and it should be taken down immediately. I didn't mention Jesus. I didn't mention the Bible. I just said this shouldn't happen on our watch. Some agreed. Many disagreed. Many accused me and slandered me in many interesting ways made assumptions that were completely baseless and clueless. And what I realized was that we're in a very broken place as a society. And it's not there, far away. It's right here on our doorstep. There are people who call themselves Christians who also criticized and attacked me for saying this should not happen. And then obviously there are people in the world that you know, feel sorry for me, that I'm so prudish. And that shame, you must, you must not have a sex life because it doesn't go to the sex bow. <laughs> I'm like, how did you get from there to there? Like, it's not even logical. But then the people that you know, we are up against in the spirit, 
they don't believe in objective reality anymore. So facts don't matter. They even are going against their own science. It's crazy. This is the world we live in now. To some of you talking about this, it might sound like I'm talking politics. I'm not talking politics. I'm not. Yes, some have made it political, but it's not a political issue. It's a spiritual issue. And if I, as a minister of the gospel, ignore it, and we build a safe, holy huddle here where we Christian high-five each other and pretend like nothing is wrong, then we are not going to change the world. We're not. I want you to know that the Helderberg is in a crisis, a spiritual crisis. The level of immorality that is rampant in this area is shocking, and that is also unacceptable. How many churches do you think there's in the Helderberg? I have no idea, but there's a lot. When God told me to plant a church in the Helderberg, that was one of my first objections. I was like, there's already so many churches, Lord. Why should I plant another one? And I felt Holy Spirit say to me, if every church in the Helderberg is completely full on a Sunday, are all the people in the Helderberg in church? And I'm like, no. And he said, so there's work to be done. I said, okay, I'll do it. And here we are. I could not believe some of the things I read. I stopped reading and I stopped caring a long time ago. God gave me a picture of a lion and an ant. I was like, I'm the lion because I'm in him. And that's just a teeny tiny little ant going like, oh, my Luffy, oh, boy. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. I have died so much to self in the last couple of years. <laughs> there's, not, there's not much of my old self left that care what people think. Every now and again, there's still these moments where I go, Ugh, that was offensive. But then I've, I've read Bait of Satan, so now I know what to do. Do not take the bait. But by God's grace, we stand. But Thursday was an interesting day. That happened, which was actually Friday. But Thursday, things started to shift, and Friday it got worse. And I, I'm convinced that it's because of the announcement and the start of this Pride Month thing where even companies now are forcing it down our throats. You talk, you know, you, I understand why people would say, hey, a pastor shouldn't get political. But why on earth is a retailer getting political and shoving that down my throat? I've decided to boycott them. I'm not going to shop there anymore. Because the Bible is very clear. He who is the friend of the world is an enemy of God. I'm not giving a friend or an ally of something that's completely against God's word. And I hope you will do the same. The same day, I had a conversation 
with old school friends who I haven't seen in decades. And one of them is a, a minister at a church, traditional church. And he couldn't believe the stuff that I said. He's like, do you really believe that's a sin? I thought he was kidding. I said, of course it's a sin. The Bible says so. And he looked at me like confused and proceeded to tell me that they've got people leading like that in their church. My heart just broke. We have a crisis, and it's been building, but we have to do something about it. And there's probably people, you know, who saw my post and read the other stuff and decided they're not coming to church today. I'm hoping there's some that came because I wrote what I did. But we have to be part of raising up a standard and saying, this is the line. God said so, this is the truth, and we have to stand by it. We are never going to be tested like we are going to be right now. I think the battle has just begun, and we have to be ready. And I'm not being a conspiracy theorist. I'm very, very, very aware of what's happening in the spiritual realm right now. And I want you to know it's not a joke. It's not going to go away by itself. It's very real. For the men who were at the real conference for men, we saw from evidence that this pride movement is literally coming to destroy marriage, family, and steal your children away from you. That's the plan. There's no two ways about it. That's the plan. And everything that's surrounding them, the, 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 and they're now building bulls, making bulls that are trying to do that strategically. You must be blind and not reading what's going on to not see that. The question is, what will you and I, Christian, do about it? Stick our heads in the sand and keep ignoring it, hoping it will go away? Or will we stand where we are and do what we can with the influence and the spheres that God has given us? What is that? If you are married, that is your marriage. If you have a family, that's your marriage and your kids, your household. You start there. Are you taking care of them? Are you praying for them? Are you covering your house with prayer? Are you taking authority over what God has given you? Are you, are you making sure that what your children are watching and what you are watching in your home does not open doors to the enemy? That's where it starts. You can't fight the battle there if you're losing the battle at home. It's never going to work. So you start at home, and you do the right thing, and you ask Holy Spirit, guide me, lead me, show me. What should I do? How should I live? And you do that. Then you focus on workplace, place of work, people there. Then you focus on community, church, connect group. How do I serve? How do I help? And if you have been called to pray, you pray. If you've been called to do whatever spiritual gift you have or natural gift you have, it's for the kingdom. It's for this church. And this church needs all of us now more than ever. Ephesians 4, we know that we are growing by what every joint supplies. So what do you supply for the kingdom? What has God called you to supply? And are you obediently supplying that? Sacrificially, servingly supplying that? Are you? Are you praying for me and my wife 
and our children because we are under attack. And when we are under attack, you are under attack. Are you willing to be in a church where it's going to get very real? Or are you too uncomfortable and would rather go to a safe church? Because you're welcome to leave. I want to go forward with warriors for Jesus. Are you a warrior for Jesus with me? Come on. There's no more playing games. This is, I, I wish I can show you what I'm sensing and feeling. It is so real. The battle is so real. People are literally brainwashed. Their mindsets have been shifted into thinking these things are real. And it's just how it is. There's no other way. And, and that, I mean, it's literally what the Bible says. What used to be sin is now called good. And what is good is now called sin. I'm judged that I'm wrong to the point of that, no, you are doing damage. What? We live in a world where they have already in some countries passed a bill, and it's coming here now as well if we don't stop it, that if you as a parent, if your child somehow believes that they need to transition and you don't let them, they take your child away from you for child abuse. And the irony is, what do they do? They take that child, they pump them full of freaking weird hormones and stop them from growing into what they're supposed to become, and then they cut stuff off. They mutilate that child. But that's not abuse. But you were abusing your child by, by leading them to Jesus and telling them the truth about who they are. That's the world we live in now. It's not coming. It's already happening. What will you do, Christian? What will you do? How will you talk around a bride? How will you face the questions and the criticism and the, the whole argument of, yeah, but you have to love everybody? Do you have an answer? Are you ready? Because they're going to challenge you. Are you going to go there and go, blah, 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 I don't know. Or are you ready? If you're not ready, let us help you prepare. I hope you understand how serious this is. And I hope that all of us will do what God has called us to do in the spheres of influence we have in the Helderberg. Because every life that you are able to touch and change is a life for the kingdom. Amen? I was very privileged to lead someone to Christ this week and pray for them and bring them into the family. It's, it's nothing like that. There's nothing like someone whose eyes open up and they see the truth. But do you wake up with that intention? Or do you wake up just wanting to survive? If the enemy can keep you there, just keep your faith to yourself. Just get through the day. Just make your little salary and try and survive. Then you are ineffective for the kingdom. Are you training up your children in the way of the Lord? Do they know the gospel? Can you even communicate the gospel? Can you? Can you tell someone why you have the hope that you have? 
If it's, if it's feeling like a pakslo, then, then you, you have work to do. If you go, yes, ah, I'm ready. Great, hallelujah. I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at the devil. Maybe I'm a little bit angry at Christians who fall for it. Yes. Take the veil off. See the truth. Speak the truth. Stand for the truth. The truth has not changed. It has not changed. God is still on the throne. He is still the creator. He still made one man and one woman to be married. And he created them to have children to be a family. That's his plan. That is why he calls us his children because he's a father, a parent. And that's why he calls us as the church the bride of Christ with a marriage with the, with the bridegroom. Seriously. That hasn't changed. And nothing will change that. But we live in a world where even Christians go, yeah, but you know, they feel very strongly like that. So what? They were born that way. They need to be born again. Like we all had to. If I followed the argument of some Christians and definitely the argument of the world, then I will be completely polygamous and sleep around and have many children with many women. That's what I would be doing because that's what I felt like doing in my flesh. And I would not be standing here preaching to you right now. There's not something special about those sins. It's listed with a whole bunch of other sins. Sin is sin. We serve a holy God who has a way of doing things. And if you don't fall in line, there's consequences. He cares about your feelings, yes. But he doesn't care about the feelings that go against him, that rebel against him. They literally call this movement pride, which is a sin that God hates. He gives law to the proud and grace to the humble. So if you are proud, you will get nowhere. He hates it. And he hates it in us as well, if we are proud about anything. So yes, I am speaking out against it today. Understand me perfectly, clear, clearly. I do not hate people. I hate the sin. Because my God hates the sin. I love you and those people so much that I will tell them the truth. When you don't tell them the truth, you are not loving. Because you are helping them into hell. By just going, oh shame, poor you, you know. Every sin is rooted in a wound that can be healed by Christ. If you don't start with that truth, then you will think you have to just let people feel the way they feel. But there's always a reason why someone is not in line with the perfect will of God. There's always a reason. You do not know what happens 24-7 under behind closed doors of a household. You do not know. You do not know how a mom felt when she got pregnant and the fetus felt what the mom felt and it caused an issue. 
You don't know. There's always a reason. That's why we read the Bible, we trust the Holy Spirit, and why we have a sozo ministry is so that you can get healed and whole and run with the fullness of what God has for you. But the enemy will do everything in his power to stop you from doing that. And he will do everything in your power to make you feel like you're nuts. When you speak to people who believe this nonsense, they gaslight you. Do you know what gaslighting is? It's when they make you feel like you have, they tell you a reality that you go, that's not real. But they're so convinced you start going, maybe I'm wrong. Don't fall for it. Just because someone is convincing and have a vocabulary of new made-up words that they linguistically hijacked doesn't mean they are right. It just means they are loud, they've been indoctrinated, and they've fallen for the propaganda. And most of them don't know that they are puppets being used by people who are being used by the devil. That's what's happening. Why am I telling you this today? Because no one is talking about this loudly enough that everyone is hearing it, but everything else is being shoved down your throat through media and social media. So I know that most of you, your narrative is not mostly based on the Word of God. So I'm here to shift your narrative to the Word of God, because it's the only narrative that matters. I haven't even started with my message for today. And it's quarter past 11. (laughs) Says the setup team. Next time. Keep it for next time. Sure. I think... I think of the hours and hours and hours that so many people have spent in what is called a church and their lives were never changed. They were never confronted with the truth. They don't know what the gospel is and there's no power of the Holy Spirit flowing. And it just breaks my heart. Go home and love your family. Go home. Spend time with God. Go home. Spend time in His Word. And and put Him first. Put Him first. Today, I really trusted God that His awesome power and presence will will completely just come. And How many of you have a new sense of the fear of God Okay, hallelujah. We were praying for that and trusting for that. And I I don't want you to ever lose that. It's something you have to practice. You have to practice the fear of God. You have to practice the presence of God. You have to practice to love God. It's something you have to choose daily to do. Because from there, everything flows. Everything. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. I really want to do my message, but I get the feeling you guys want to go home. Who, wa- who wants to hear the word of God? <laughs> okay. I might just do half. 
and then I'll split it up. But it's so good. This is so good. So I'll make the, in, the, the recap. I'll skip the recap, um, and we'll just get into it. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that we can be here in your presence. I pray that you lead us, guide us, and strengthen us as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, our message was called One Spirit. We're busy with a series called One Gospel, One Church. How many of you believe there's only one gospel and only one church? Yes, of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we've been talking about the one standard, the one um, way, the one gift, and the one spirit. Today is One Spirit, chapter 2, because it's still going on about who the Spirit of God is and what He came to do in our lives. And we're going to read from chapter 7 and 8 of Romans, um, the first part of where we are in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 7 to 13, Paul tackles now a new question. You've seen that he does these questions and answers, right? He says, does it mean that the law is sinful? And he says, no, the law is holy. Um, The law was there to show us what sin is and The law in itself is holy, and the problem is that sin has now used the opportunity of the law to cause us to sin because our flesh is weak. The law doesn't bring death. Sin brings death. So he explains that first, that we understand that. So I didn't put all of those scriptures up because I just wanted to summarize that segment. So we need to know the law is holy, but sin used the law as an opportunity through our weak flesh, the nature that we are born in, for us to sin. Do you understand that? Okay, so now we're going to pick it up from verse 14 in the New Living Translation. It says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. Everyone says, there's nothing wrong with the law. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. What is Paul doing? He's explaining from his own testimony that I need to be real about where I come from and what my situation is before God. What is he doing? He's being humble. What was he before his um, conversion? Proud. Would you agree? All right. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. He's got a very healthy awareness of how much he is a sinner in need of a Savior. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. (laughs) But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Thank 
God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everyone say, Jesus Christ. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Can anyone here or online listening right now, can you feel Paul's pain and frustration with sin? Anyone? Do you know what that feels like? I want to do the right thing, but I don't do the right thing. You know that feeling. All right. I know I can relate to that. And I noticed that in this segment and before, the phrase slave to sin comes up three times. And in this segment and before that many times. And here he connects it to our nature. It's clear from what Paul is teaching that we were born into a sinful nature. And we know this is linked to the fall of man and caused by the sin of Adam. Everyone on the same page. Remember that we read that in the beginning of the book of Romans. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul is helping his readers and us to face the fact that they and we are sinful by nature. And because of that, we are slaves to sin, which means our actions will be contrary to the law of God. Do we understand that? It means that even though we may know what is right and what to do and what to do is right, we still follow our sinful nature and we do what's wrong. Has that happened to anyone recently? <laughs> Can we all recognize that Paul is contrasting good and bad? He's using the words good and bad. Can you see that? And we all can recognize that the law of God is good and our nature and sin that enslaves us is bad. Do we agree? What does the world say right now? The word of God, bad. You and your feelings, good. What is Paul saying? Exactly the opposite. Your sinful nature is bad. So, should Christians agree with this statement? All people are basically good in nature. I'm, I'm asking, is, should we agree with that or not, based on the Bible? How many of you have children? How many of them came out perfect, no sin? See, you had to teach them to do certain things or to not, you had to teach them what's right and wrong because they come out. So the first, we have to give kids law. They just do what you say because you discipline them if they don't. So they're not doing it out of a conviction yet. They do it out of a conviction of, hey, I'm going to get a fivefold ministry if I don't do this. Uh, so I'll do the right thing. And eventually over time, they understand the why. Hopefully when you lead your child to Christ, they will now understand this. And out of their own relationship with God, they will honor you and do what's right. But before that, they are sinful Creatures. So no, people are not basically good in nature. And this is one of the lies that the world believe. And that's why they believe the things that they do. Because if you believe people are innately good, then what they feel should be good. Do you see the logic, which is not logic? So, but that's how they think and how it follows. So we, we as Christians have to go, no, my nature leads me down a really bad path. 
I need to be led by, oh, we get there, the Spirit. Left to our nature, we will live sinful lives as slaves to sin, even if our intentions are not to. Can we see that intentions and fruit are not the same thing? I may in my head go, I really want to do the right thing. I didn't mean for that to happen. But it did happen. And what are we judged by? The fruit, not the intention. Amen? Thank God Paul writes this. Who will free me from this life? Jesus Christ. And now we know that. What is the opposite of being a slave? What's the opposite of being a slave? Being free. A free person. Amen. So the opposite of being a slave to sin is to be free from the power of sin. Would you agree? So the opposite of being miserable and being caught between the place of wanting to please God and failing to please God is to be free of the old nature who wants to sin. Would you agree? And how does this happen? How are we free from this struggle, this miserable place of I want to but I don't? How do we get free? In Jesus Christ. Why? Because of what we have already read in this letter. In Jesus, our old man, our old nature dies and we become new creations in Christ Jesus. When does this happen? When we get truly born again. When your flesh that you had from your first birth dies. The flesh that's corrupt. The flesh that's sinful. The flesh that wants all the wrong stuff. The flesh that makes you think your feelings are really important. So important that you change your whole life because of how you feel. It dies with rebirth. And, that hap- and when that happened, or when it happened, or when it will happen, I realize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I recognize Jesus is that Savior, and then I choose to receive Him as Savior, which then leads to me laying down my life, my will, my sinful nature. Then I earn the right to be called a child of God. Only then do I earn the right to be called a child of God. It's not by my works, but there's a choice to receive that I need to do. Amen? Many people think falsely that there's nothing that they have to do because Jesus has done everything. And then what they don't do is they don't receive Him. And they just think, I'm good, I'm going to heaven. And they live the way they want to. That is not the gospel. The gospel is that you have to receive Him. Amen? But some of you may say, listen, I've done all of that, and I still struggle with sin, and I still feel like, although I want to please God, and I do, and do His will, my body sometimes, like Paul says, take over, takes over, and I do what I will, I do what the sinful nature wants anyway. Does anyone feel like that? You're like, I hear you, bro, but I want to please God, but I still sin. Want to put up your hand if that's you? <laughs> so you might read this and go, I, I, I feel Paul. I'm, I'm there. And then he says, but I, I'm miserable there. And I, I'm like, okay, I don't want to be miserable. What's the answer? To be in Jesus. And you go, okay, but I am in Jesus. I've given my life to him. So why is it not changing? Do you understand? Do we? Okay. So... 
And what this does, and it did this to me in my walk with Christ, is it made me feel guilty and ashamed. And the problem with guilt and shame is that it pulls me away from God. It doesn't bring me closer to Him. And then what I do is I I think I have to now work my way back to God by doing the right thing according to me for a while. Anyone been stuck there? Okay. There's two problems here. So the first reason why you may be stuck in miserableville is because you don't have the full revelation of the truth of what Jesus has done for you. You may have a part revelation. Or you may be someone that only gave your life to Jesus a long time ago because you were really afraid of going to hell. Anyone like that? I don't want to go to hell. I'll give my heart to Jesus. The problem is if you did that and your, your, your conversion is only based on the fear of hell, you will have only a part revelation of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And then you might still be stuck in miserableville, which none of us want to do. The enemy will keep you there if you don't get this revelation. The other alternative is that you're not really saved. It might be that you haven't really given your life to Christ. And you might be a cultural Christian. And I'm not saying that lightly. I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I'm saying that to open up your eyes and to make sure that you are truly saved. Now, with that, I don't want you to make sure you're saved every day. That's not what I'm saying. Because that can also be an unhealthy place to be. But Paul does say, the same Paul says, we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What is that? Standing in awe of God, the fear of God, and go, Lord, am I where you want me to be? Have I really given my life to you? And here's a question. Is it possible to be half saved? Let me ask you this. Can you be half pregnant? See, you laugh for that. But I think we have a lot of people that think they are saved, but they Maybe they go, I'm half saved, like I'm sort of saved. Will you be effective if you're kind of saved? If you work for a company and you're kind of employed by them, how will you work? With what attitude will you work? You'll work with a kind of attitude. I'll sort of give you some of my time. I think we have a lot of kind of Christians walking around. And that's why we don't see better fruit. So it might be you don't have the full revelation of Jesus Christ. It might be that you're not saved. Or it might be that you have a wound from your past that hasn't healed yet. And it gives the enemy an open door into your life. And he keeps on lying to you. And it keeps dragging you back into sin because you believe that lie. And the moment you sin, you open the door wider. And he brings more friends to torment you. It is completely possible for a born-again believer to be tormented by demons if you open a door. You have to know that. That's, that's the first part of the problem. The second part that probably goes hand-in-hand hand with these options is that you might have an orphan spirit. I had that for a very long time in my life. Even though at my conversion, I heard God say to me, I love you, my son. 
And it changed my life. The first area where I was challenged for a very long time was, "Mm, are you really? Because that's what the enemy does. Did God really say, eh, I don't know. And then you go, oh, shucks. What does the enemy do? He gaslights you. He came up with it. You think you're saved? Eh, are you really? Does he really love you? Think of what you did, bro. Like, God can't love you if you've done that. That's what he does. Shame, guilt, condemnation. I used to think that, yo, I'm saved, thank God. And I'm walking with him, I'm walking with him. Just don't step out of line. Just don't step out of line. Oh, flip, I stepped out of line. Oh, now I'm back to square one. Oh, man, Lord, I'm so sorry. I feel so miserable. And I pull away from him. I pull away from him. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to work really hard to do everything right. I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to do everything right. And then after I'm like, okay, I've done everything right for a good time now. So, hey, God, I've decided that I now can come back to you. That's an orphan spirit. Doesn't understand what it means to be a son or a daughter of God. And that is what can keep you away and keep you in miserableville. I know what I want to do, what I should do, but I don't do it. And I'm stuck and I'm back in sin. And nah, nah, nah. Or you're in one of these accountability relationships where the accountability relationship means every week you go, yeah, bro, I've fallen again. And the guy goes, oh, shame, that's terrible. Let me pray for you. Oh, bro, I've fallen again. Oh, shame, that's terrible. Let me pray for you. And nothing changes. That's useless. Because you haven't had a revelation of who Jesus is, what he's done. You haven't had a revelation of who you are in him. The enemy is very happy to keep you there. I've fallen again. I've fallen again. I've fallen again. What are you doing for the kingdom? Nothing. Can I help? It is a lack of revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done. And it's a lack of revelation of living in the holy fear of the Lord and in a deep, committed love for him. Because when we know what Jesus has done and we accept it and we receive it, we will cultivate a healthy fear of God and have a deep love for him. And that will make us to not sin. Amen? The best things that you can practice is a holy fear of God, a devoted, wholehearted love for Him. And that will draw you in. Why? Because if you don't really fear Him, you won't take His word seriously. And if you don't love Him, you won't want to spend time with Him. Why do we have to convince Christians to open their Bibles and spend time with God? Because they don't love Him. You don't love him if you don't want to spend time with him. If you don't believe me, ask any wife here. If your husband said at the altar, I love you, and never again, if he was that guy from that joke that said, I'm, I'm saying I love you now, if it changes, I'll let you know. And he never says it to you again. And out of his actions, you do not see that he loves you. Will you feel loved, any wife in this place? Will you feel loved? Why do we do that to God? Why do we do that to God? I love you. I'm going to live my life now. Have a great day. 
Oh, just, you know, God, I came up with this idea. Will you bless it? I want to move out of this country because I'm afraid. I get there. Please bless my move. I want to marry this person because they're hot and I like them and I like how I feel when I'm with them. I get married. Oh, Lord, by the way, will you please bless my marriage? You don't fear him and you don't love him. You don't. You're lying to yourself if you think you do. You're lying to yourself. I used to be that guy, so I recognize it, and I can tell you straight. You're lying to yourself. Before I moved to the Cape, God said, move. And we were like, whew, okay, we got you. He gave us a word for a house. He said, leave your record label. I know you're a musician and that's your livelihood, but leave your label. I'm like, okay, leave your label. Build a house with money you don't have. Okay. Make Christian music. No one buys Christian music. Okay. Before four of the biggest decisions of our lives were taken out of faith, I would have told you, I love God, I fear God, I trust God. I would have told you that. Then I stepped into these faith decisions. And I realized when it counted, I didn't love him. I didn't fear him. And I didn't trust him. I trusted in a savings account. I trusted in little systems that we set up. I loved myself. I loved my comforts. I feared people. I feared the banks. I feared the builders who I couldn't pay. But I didn't fear him. And God took me through four of the most difficult years of my life where I felt useless. I felt like I was a terrible husband and father because I couldn't provide for my family because everything that I was providing with was taken away. And I was crying before my wife the one day. I said, I'm so sorry that I'm such a useless provider. My wife looked at me. She said, you're not our provider. God is our provider. (laughs) I didn't trust him. I trusted the cultural baggage of Jezus man and jij moet voor jou gezin zorg. I trusted that. And when I couldn't live up to that, I felt broken as a man. But God said, "You are my son." So as today, I can tell you, I can see when you don't fear him, when you don't love him, and when you don't trust him. And I'm calling it out. Not because I'm better than you, but because I've walked that road and I don't want you to walk that road. That's the half of my sermon. Let us pray. To be continued. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, there's so much to be still said and read from your word, but 
let us pause here for today and let us just let us just let this word speak to our hearts that yes we were born into sin and brokenness and our sinful nature only wants to do what's contrary to your word but thank god jesus christ came and because of jesus christ and if i'm in you jesus your holy spirit comes and empowers me to live a sinless life for you and with you lord jesus i pray right now in this moment that all of us will have the mighty revelation that it's possible to live outside of miserableville and in a place of holy fear holy love and holy lives with you thank you so much for listening to the love key church podcast message of the week i trust that you had a life-changing encounter with god that will help you to align with his purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.